Wednesday is less forgiving than most. The wind whips relentlessly, brushing clumps of snow off the heavy pine and right into my face as I hike straight up the mountain face. My feet, crammed into hiking boots a size too small, disappear in the six inches of snow. I slip and slide, struggling to find my footing. The wind comes in gusts, so cold it takes my breath away. I feel as if I'm walking into a living snow globe. Bree tells me it's December. She likes to count the days to Christmas, scratching off the numbers each day on an old calendar she found. She does it with such enthusiasm. I can't bring myself to tell her we're nowhere near December. I won't tell her that her calendar is three years old, or that we'll never get a new one, because they stopped making them the day the world ended. I won't deny her her fantasy. That's what big sisters are for. Bree clings to her beliefs anyway, and she's always believed that snow means December, and even if I told her, I doubt it would change her mind. That's a ten-year-old for you. What Bree refuses to see is that winter comes early up here, or high up in the Catskills, and here, there's a different sense of time, a different turn to the seasons. Here, three hours north of what was once New York City, the leaves drop by the end of August, scattering across mountain ranges that stretch as far as the eye can see. Our calendar was current once. When we arrived... Three years ago, I remember seeing the first snow and then checking it in disbelief. I couldn't understand how the page read October. I assumed such early snow was a freak, but I soon learned it wasn't. These mountains are just high enough, just cold enough, for winter to cannibalize fall. If Bree would just flip back the calendar, she'd see it right there, the old year, in big, tacky letters, 2117. Obviously three years old. I tell myself she's just too caught up in her excitement to check closely. This is what I hope. But lately, a part of me is beginning to suspect that she really knows. That she's just chosen to lose herself in fantasy. I can't blame her. Of course... We haven't had a working calendar for years, or cell phone, or computer, or TV, or radio, or internet, or technology of any kind, not to mention electricity or running water. Yet somehow we've managed to make it, just the two of us, for three years like this. The summers have been tolerable, with fewer hungry days. We can at least fish then and the mountain creeks always seem to carry salmon. There are also berries, and even a few wild apple and pear orchards that still, after all this time, bear fruit. Once in a while, we even manage to catch a rabbit. But the winters are intolerable. Everything is frozen or dead, and each year I am certain we will not make it. And this has been the worst winter of all. I keep telling myself things will turn around, but it's been days now without a decent meal.
and winter has just begun. We are both weak from hunger, and now Bree is also sick. It doesn't bode well. As I trudge up the mountain face, retracing the same luckless steps I took yesterday, searching for our next meal, I am beginning to feel our luck has run out. It is only the thought of Bree lying there, waiting at home, that urges me forward. I stop pitying myself and instead hold her face in my mind. I know I can't find medicine, but I am hoping it's just a passing fever and that a good meal and some warmth are all she needs.